Thanks for having me. Theatre is treasure trove and remembering to forget. A playwright becomes conscious of the past, of the canon, of tradition. Then what? A consciousness of the literary past can feel like being in great company. You up your game, inspired by this constellation of time-travelling voices that question or articulate exactly what you have just been wrestling with. Imagine them all, working away, at their wobbly tables, ghostly, smoking inside, wolf at the door, often acknowledged only after death. A playwright encounters or is exposed to theatre's treasure trove under different circumstances, different conditions of access, different degrees of respect. A playwright might set about listening to these voices, glass held against the wall of time to catch the rise and fall of the murmuring. She is also a futurologist, employing fragments of these voices to illuminate a possible future. History is a headlamp in the cave of tomorrow. A writer's interaction with the past is not neutral. It might be lazy, slapdash, silly. It might be propagandist. Given that every act of writing is political, even if he wrote musicals about pineapples to the day he died, it is still an act of choice informed by the power structures, myths, and dominant discourses of the day. History is not neutral, because history is constructed. History famously is written by winners. The philosopher Walter Benjamin wrote, there is no document of civilization which is not at the same time a document of barbarism. Benjamin might posit that the literary canon is such a document of all the voices not heard, not preserved. Their silence can feel deafening, bloody or absurd. For example, the British uh, National Theatre in London recently celebrated 50 years with 50 plays of which there was one written by a woman. Suddenly, being in the company of the past can feel a bit like a club, privileging the loudest voice and linear narrative driving towards the money shot. So it's useful to remember that there are voices heard and privileged above others by history. Writing recently on privilege, white privilege specifically, the journalist Gary Young evoked his experience by asking us to imagine if the questions asked were, when did you first realize you were straight? Or, is it hard to juggle a jog with fatherhood? What is considered normal <clears throat> is one guise of privilege. Privilege is invisible until we ask the right questions. The artists ask questions of the past, remodeling, rearranging, thieving old material to make a plucky new pair of tights. We must not be too reverent of the past. Iconoclastic tights must be worn with particular juge, maybe on your head. Part of the joy of being a writer and being paid occasionally to make stuff up is unearthing or birthing unheard voices. Poking holes in history and seeing what leaks through. Is it delicious? Is it rancid? Is it the bin juice of what we've been told is important or true or authentic? Do people get all crazy or mean or excited in response? What a joy and what a burden the past can be. Consider writing on Ireland's heavily excavated past or the troubles. You might get stuck in the bog of those who have trodden before. The muck stops up the access and passage to remorse. You can say, screw you past, with its insistence you be defined by opposition, by sectarian and colonial binaries. You might liberate it with a hybrid plural identity. I'm this and I'm that. Ha, screw you past. Or you might deconstruct the past to reclaim it. 
You might try to create a brand new space, but this will be riddled with predetermined meaning lurking under words, disguised as unicorns and received at face value. Some write pastiche, well-made plays that pay homage to what has already been successful, but well-made plays are sometimes dead plays, their corpses hugging the status quo. Whereas there is a spooky, silent energy around some unwell-made plays, those which are not produced or programmed or deemed relevant. And remember humbly, your writerly predecessors navigated this pickle in their own time. Your pickle isn't special, it's a cycle. Remembering to forget the past sometimes can be useful. And our ability to retain facts is dying anyway. Our brains are melting all over our iPhones. But at the same time, our choice to forget is being bought up. That is not hyperbole. Our digital history cannot be permanently deleted or destroyed. Vast archives of our every digital footprint are being bought and sold without our permission. Our choice to forget is being bought by corporations and governments. We create a primary work of art Though alone this is of limited meaning, what grows around it, how it is consumed, the secondary text of criticism and discussion, now it becomes part of history and may swell and reflect an intern affect. So we learn of the Playboy riots as history rather than history reacting to art. Pussy riot is an example of global digitized performance. However, today, it may seem alien that anyone in the affluent West could get so crackers about a play that they would riot. It feels quaint. Incredible, like life without a microwave. This generation is one click away from snuff, porn, the dark web, knowing where my mother had dinner last night, Pizza Express, it was all right. <laughs> Our threshold for shock and outrage has rapidly evolved or devolved or evolved in some direction anyway, though maybe not the vulva, as feminism is apparently in its fourth wave. So history, including theater history, is rich and malleable, but not certain. And in the absence of historical certainty, myth, romance, and legend become vital. The Celtic revival made this its decolonizing enterprise. Then in the north of Ireland, Field Day Theatre followed with its reappropriation of those myths in order to begin again. And now here in the void left by the Celtic Tiger, the institution of the Catholic Church and a post-conflict peace process that cannot transcend the binarism built into its own DNA, we again require new stories. Who are you gonna call? It is the artists who use imagination to treat aphasia and change. And we learn and steal by past example from the treasure trove how this might be done again and again and again. <clears throat> 2013 saw the anniversary of the death of JFK, C.S. Lewis, and less commemorated Aldous Huxley. In a 1958 interview, Huxley predicted the impending crises of today overpopulation, global hierarchy, the use of technology to manipulate mass society, the commoditization of politicians. Technology is transforming how we perceive and conceive. With the internet, we have unprecedented access to information, global events, the treasure troves, which is potentially democratizing, but we also have an excess of source and an inability to forget. Digital history is multi-platform, non-linear, as for ourselves, we too are changing. We can no longer be solitary. Our iPhones activate the insular cortex of the brain, which is associated with feelings of love. We literally love technology. But what digital storytelling cannot yet do, what even writing can do less well than theater, 
is transport us by way of live physical experience, communally galvanize us to imagine something other. We are not yet programmed to feel for all the freezing children of Syria. The troll does not yet weep for the suicide of a teen on ask.fm because there's a certain point where the brain and the heart shut off, otherwise we'd be permanently debilitated by feeling. But our practice of feeling communally must match or precipitate our sense of global responsibility to question what is rarely inevitable, but frequently designed. It's hard to feel this, just as it's hard to comprehend infinity or other things seemingly beyond us, the brain freaks out and has to have a lie down. But we must, as Gloucester said, see feelingly. If we do not address our capacity to empathize at the same rate as we globalize, we may self-cannibalize. Empathy is vital to humanity's survival and empathy is fundamental to the experience of theater. We live in an age of illusion. All that glitters is not gold. There are times when the awesome treasure of the past or how we work with that treasure might be sanitized, sponsored, rarefied, ossified. It might, not be part, it might only be part of the story. It might, la might not be the last word. We live in an age of illusion, but bodies on stage or on site are bodily present. With an excess of memory, we will always need a human nexus, storytellers old and new. And we need the voices of the past to anchor our transforming world to its corporeal heart. It's leaky, visceral, ancient, shitty, sublime, human heartbeat. <laughs>